All right. I think that should, let me make sure we're live. Oh man. All right. I think that should, we are live. All right. Tony, long time, no podcast. It's been what, how many months since probably April, May? Oh, it's been a long time, man. How have you been? Tell the people what's been up. Where have you been on Twitter? Where have I been? Well, I think, when did I get off Twitter? A couple months ago, I think. Yeah, it's probably been like three months now. Um, I don't know. Twitter just kind of, everyone knows how Twitter is and can get. Um, it's just kind of, I don't know. We we talk about this a lot. It, I just I just kind of feel out of place on Twitter. Like um, I don't know. I really did enjoy posting all the educational material and the um, the threads a lot. The little you know diagrams and stuff we would make. Um, and you know I miss that. I I, I really do want to get back on Twitter. I've 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 actually thought about maybe making just a private Twitter where, you know, I don't really follow anybody. I just post material and, you know, it'll always be there and it's obviously free and for, for everybody. Um, kind of like a discord, like an archive where you can always kind of go to my Twitter and find that. Um, so I've thought about that, but I don't know. I just always felt like out of place on Twitter. It's just, I don't know. It, I feel like it's just gotten, you know, when I got off a couple of months ago, it was just getting really bad. Just, I, everyone knows how it is. People going back and forth and arguing. Fucking and, cesspool, man. Yeah, and I'm kind of pretty the opposite of that. I like I'm kind of quiet, and I don't really, you know, get into it with anybody. I just kind of like to do my own thing. So I don't know, but um, it's yeah. uh, I can honestly say since midterms are coming up, like we're in like bingo bongo terrible territory on Twitter and Elon takeover. Oh my gosh, dude. Like, I mean, the amount of, like, just terrible things I've seen on Twitter the past probably week has been painful. Has been painful. Like, and also just the amount of, like, you know, trash that people are putting out there about, like, the midterms and stuff. Like, just fuck off. Just literally just fuck off. Like, I don't want to see any of that. I don't want to have to hear all these stuff. So I muted... Literally, I muted MAGA, Biden, Trump, Elon, um, midterms, Republicans, Democrat. I think I muted like almost everything that is like political because I was political. Just, I was so so fed up with it, man. But yeah, uh, I, that's another thing. I'm not. I'm not very political, and I'm not. I'm not ignorant enough to think I, I know politics too well. So. Yeah. That's another thing. I don't I don't need to see that arguing and back and forth over. The other thing too, man, is is uh like Twitter's a great place to to learn a lot of good stuff. Um 
you know, like there's there's a lot of education that goes out on Twitter. Me and you put a lot of education out on Twitter. Um, but like it's not a thing that you have to have. Like if you're fine without it, then go without it. If you can trade without it, then go without it, man. There's not uh there's no one telling you you have to have Twitter in order to be able to trade and shit. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know, when did, uh, you were on Twitter before I was probably, what, three years ago? Um, like 2020, I think. 2020, yeah, so, I you, don't know, back, back When we first met, was, you weren't on Twitter, I remember that. Yeah, when we, uh, when we first met, I didn't have a Twitter, um, but I think even back then, like, I don't know, you gotta also think how the market was two, three years ago. Um, oh, it was kind of just like you could throw money into anything and, and make money, and it just was like this euphoric market where and it, it, you saw the same thing on Twitter. Everybody essentially was making money um, or people were acting like they were, and then um, it kind of, you know, everybody was like getting along. There really wasn't back and forth and everything that there is now, and then... I don't remember when it was. I think it was, I don't know if it was the fall of 2021. Or maybe it was the fall of 2020 when, I remember it was like a specific time. It was around when Trump got COVID. Yep, um, I remember that. And it just like this weird, like, and then all, like, I, I'm not sitting here like to bash Trump, but um, I, I really am indifferent on politics or Trump or Biden or anybody in general, but I, I just remembered it was like the whole thing with the cat. It's just a bunch of like political stuff. And then the market got really bad and it was kind of this just negative environment and it's just kind of spiraled from there. Um, and I don't know, that's just kind of why I needed a break from Twitter in particular. And I had some, uh, you know, like I had some external stuff going on, like, yeah. In, in real life so i just needed a break <clears throat> yeah man we all needed a break um i got married went on a honeymoon yeah had you've some... had a lot going on oh yeah i had the good and the bad and the ugly all in about a three month span i don't think anybody really knows much about it other than the whole marriage part but we definitely had some shit go down both of us um and also it just became like bef even before we both had like crappy life stuff hit us like we were yeah. getting tired of constantly editing constant like it felt like it was turning into a chore more than a uh like a fun podcast and so that's why we're back with this form rather than like the fucking whole edited up and intro and crazy stuff um you know got tired of of uh doing that editing constantly all that kind of jazz but um but yeah we are we're back for now uh we'll see how long we go for we'll see how long the season lasts we'll see how long until season four but we're back and we're ready to uh give out some good you know long-term type stuff and um hopefully make you guys some money what did you think of fomc today man like what did you what did you kind of get out of that that move the three-pronged move we had we had like a it knifed right after right as fomc came out and then it shot back up and then it knifed big time to end the day yeah we uh so we normally get like an abc move sometimes an abcd move where normally it's a pop like an initial pop and then like a pretty substantial flush and then 
it would always seem to bounce back and kind of run to close, make a new high on the day. And, um, you know, that was our normal FOMC routine. Um, I looked, I believe it was all the way back to May. And you asked me this morning, we had talked about it. Um, on average, you know, how much was SPY moving during FOMC days? And I believe I looked at the last four because there wasn't one in September. Um, the last four SPY moved in both direct, like a daily candle was, you know, four or five points, maybe six points. Um, today we got an extremely substantial move. We basically had a 15 point move from the top to the bottom and that started at 2.30. So basically an hour and a half, um, we were almost vertical. Dude, there's gotta be some thousand percenters out there. Yeah, I know, I know there was <clears throat> some people in my Discord that were, um, I see Tim's in chat. Tim, Tim, I think Tim got like two, 300%. Um, there was, yeah, there was some people that played some lottos and got some good, good chunks out of them. The, the issue with this one is if you go look, so I'm pulling up the 10 minute. <clears throat> if you pull up the 10 minute, there was a period in there where it looked as if we were getting that move after the pot or the move after the flush. So if you look from 230 um until 250 that's that flush we talk about after the pop so like right and, here where it reverses yeah and then if you go to the three o'clock 10 minute candle um yeah that one you're on that green candle yeah. that that looked like okay now this is the pivot where we run the rest of the day um after that the big flush out that's the normal pattern we see that right there i know um, just from like being in the discord today, I think that got, a, got a few people where they may have held, um, some calls a little bit too long because you can see then it was actually a 10 minute triple cross. I had posted that it was, there's a 10 minute, uh, a cross setting up mm -hmm. and you can see then at that 310 candle, I mean, that's a big time knife. That's, you know, three points. So yeah. I think that got a few people today, but if you, you know, if you, you had money, you, or you had, you know, chances to make money both ways and, and make a pretty good chunk. So dude, here's the thing about spy today in the past two days is you go and look at this five minute chart over the past two days. Like that action is borderline untradeable, like from, yeah. from here on. So yesterday at 11, which that's 11 my time. So more like noon Eastern time until FOMC, like I made, I think, one trade between this like 11 yesterday and FOMC today a single trade because if you just look at it I mean look how tight that shit is like there's not much movement happening and when there is movement it's usually not following technicals all that great the one thing I have noticed that can be useful have been the wicks like the wicks here um, yeah. really told the story the wicks here told the story and then today at FOMC, wicks were really, really nice. Like wicks at the top here before this kind of fall down and then wicks on the bottom here before the push up. And then you see top wicks. Um, and then you see bottom wicks here before this little, you know, run up. 
So wicks have been really, really nice when it comes to FOMC. At least today they were. I don't know about in the past. Um, I don't yeah. play FOMC, though, hardly ever. I, uh, I'll i play it, you know, maybe a straddle here or there. Or occasionally, if I'm feeling a certain way, I'll take, like, a lotto call. Like, today I had, like, a few lotto calls. Um, and then I ended up selling. I don't know if you know my trading strategy, but my trading strategy... <laughs> well, I know Tony does, but I don't know if the people watching know my trading strategy. I hardly ever holds more than like one contract over like 10%. Like I'll have like, you know, like 40 contracts sometimes if I'm in something that's a little bit cheaper um, and I'll sell for fucking 5%. So I literally sold, I think like right here at 384. <laughs> like this thing would like knife down hard, but I held cause I was kind of, I was, I don't know. There were, there was a small position and then it got all the way back up to this 384 and I ended up selling. And then I watched the candle like shoot all the way, all the way up here. Um, yeah, but well, I didn't really feel any certain way because then, you know, if I would have held all the way up for this candle, I probably would have held into this dip and then would have lost all my money. So I'm not the, really too upset. The issue with the issue with that and like when when you see people posting like big time gains is there's a couple different factors. One, obviously, like looking at it in hindsight, you know, a, a 2020, 15, baby. 16 point. Yeah, a 15, 16 point move, you know. Of course, you would have held your puts and rode it all the way down, but there's no way of knowing that that's going to play out like that. And also, um, if you're going to play something like this and hold it for a substantial amount, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do that in your main account because, like you said, you traded sometimes you'll trade like a substantial amount of contracts. Mm -hmm. And specifically with options, like if you if it doesn't go your way and you're playing something like FOMC where it's unpredictable, like that's a pretty decent size hit and it just doesn't make sense. Like I always tell people that if you're playing taking lottos or you're playing something something like FOMC, you should almost have like I don't I call it a play account. Um, you should almost have a separate account for Agreed. that kind of stuff because Robinhood's great for it. Yeah, and you don't want to, like, if you're trying to progress a main account and make progressions on it, and you do something stupid on a day like this and wipe out, like, months months worth of work, you're going to feel like an idiot. Yeah. So, we've, um, dude, for some reason, Zoom is, I don't have Pro right now. I used to have Pro, but um, we're going to have to end, and I'll send you a link quick. Okay. Sorry to everyone who's watching. I had no idea that... uh zoom was doing this nowadays but we'll be right back you can just stay on here everybody just gotta send this link to tony i don't know why it did that usually it never used to do this for us when it was just us two at least um but good news is i'm about to unleash my new uh my new swing most of you in here probably already know. I know there's uh, a lot of you guys that are in here have been, um, you know, in the swing already or at least known about it. Can you hear me, Tony? Everything working? Yep. Sweet. I was just telling people I was about to uh, talk about my new swing after we finished up going over FOMC and small account, but you can continue with the, uh, with the oh, small no. account, separate account. The only thing I want to say is there was a, some questions in uh, chat that I'm seeing. Oh hell yeah! Um, let's let's go through those quick. Adnan, sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. I hope not. Um, he said how to overcome the fear of losing. Um, 
psychologically, given the tape the past year, find myself hesitating on trades that were more routine in the past? I guess that's kind of a question about overcoming the fear of losing. Um, so I don't know if you want to touch on that first. or Yeah. Um, size down would be my first thing is, uh, you know, cut a little bit of that exposure out. Um, because if you're scared of taking the losses, it probably has to do with one of two things. Either you're, you're playing with a bit too much cash or you are possibly um, just feeling a bit of like a, a trading insecurity. But I would say most likely start with sizing down a bit. Um, that'll be first thing. And then second thing is is sell right when you're green for a while. Like I think a big thing for me when I started was, you know, fear of loss was kind of, um, you know, fueled by, you know, seeing something green and then seeing it go red and then losing money and then just kind of, you know, having that insecure feelings over and over and over, you know, about like, I don't know if I should buy into this. I don't know. Is it going to go red on me again? I don't, I don't know. Do I sell? Like just kind of those questions that are in your head all the time. Um, I would say, the biggest thing to do for, for those, um, you know, self-doubts in your head are just just stick to the selling quickly, guys. Like, biggest thing is sell that shit when it's green and uh, don't let it go red on yourself. If you're green, like, if you're up 2%, um, I can see, you know, not having a stop-loss set. You know, you're up 2%. You're going to let it ride a little bit. But once you get up, like, 4 or 5%, put a stop-loss set even, guys. There's no reason not to put a stop loss at even, you know, stick a stop loss at even and, um, you know, keep yourself guaranteed a green trade. It'll be um, very, very beneficial for your mindset. What do you think, Tony? I think the biggest thing and like I know <clears throat> the what you said is like, uh, I'm, you know, I agree with everything you said. Um I think I I really think the biggest thing is just finding something that works and not trying to trade, you know, a million different tickers or not trying to trade a, a, a you know five six different strategies. I really think like if you have like one two three different things that you look for and that are kind of like a plus setups for you or they're really low risk with you know, reward potential. I think, honest to God, I really think that's the biggest thing because it's all about consistency. And that's, you know, I, I, if you can find something that's consistent, like for me, if you've been in my discord for the last two, three months, I've been, I won't shut up about these triple crosses. Um, I know it's probably annoying by now, but it was just something that I found that was really consistent. Um, and, you know, I like to play those because they're, you know, they're still low risk. I like to play retests of something like a nine EMA or, you know, I like to play supply and demand. Everybody knows that. Um, and another thing is, too, if you find yourself. So say something's in a downtrend. Um, and you find yourself kind of buying puts into that exhaustion or, it, or, you know, you're just buying puts 
because you see something's in a downtrend, but you just, you know, you're chasing the move and you don't want to miss, you know, if there's potential, you know, more potential downside or vice versa. If you're chasing calls into something that's just been continuously running, I see that as a problem that a lot of people have where they're buying calls into green candles. They're buying puts into red candles. You want to be doing the opposite. If something, you know, you want to be trying to get a discount on your contracts or you want to be trying to buy a pullback um, in either direction. If maybe you get a little retest of the nine, that's a great area to go short in a downtrend and a great area to go long in an uptrend. That means that, you know, if you're going long, you're buying into a red candle and vice versa. If you're going short, you're buying into a green candle. I see a lot of people struggle with that where they're chasing entries. And um, I just think that inconsistency in something is, is the biggest thing. And if you found something, if you review your trades and you're like, well, you know, damn it. Like I was green on eight out of these 10 trades, but I, you know, didn't take profit because it was only like Teddy said, you know, like five, ten percent, and you were kind of getting greedy. That's it's never gonna work. So I agree, hundred ten percent. I know I kind of rambled on, but I think that those couple things are I extremely important. I uh, I think you you nailed it on the head there. I think also one thing to to kind of keep in the back of your mind is if you want to go short on something, why are you buying a red candle? Why not just buy a green candle? Wait for one. If you want to go long on something, why are you buying a green candle? Wait and find a red candle to buy. You know, like just just keep that in the back of your head that if you're buying a red candle um, on a downtrend, then you're probably chasing. If you're buying a green candle on a downtrend, you probably getting a dip and vice versa. I just got the funniest text um, that I have to share on here. I'm not sure if anyone can see this, but my dad sent me a picture of a deer heart and he's eating a deer heart right now. (laughs) I don't know why the fuck. <laughs> he just said heart is unbelievably good. And it's just him <laughs> eating a deer heart. Is it from a deer he shot? Yeah, he shot it and he cooked it. But I never expected to get a text that said deer heart is unbelievably good. There's another Man. question. Ted, it says, oh, there's two. One, do we chop around 375 to 380 up until CPI next week? what are your thoughts on that for spy let's go to the daily and the hourly we'll talk about both of them quick um so for the daily here we very clearly have a zone down here that um we'll probably end up touching at some point in my opinion i'm not going to include this green candle because i don't feel like it it's kind of an anomaly um so this is what we have on the daily as of right now it is sitting at 374.70 that daily close is extremely strong Uh, if anyone knows a lot about candle closes you know that closing without a wick um, indicates very very massive strength and so to see that to the downside is more than concerning for spy short term Um, I also think we probably this is another zone we probably could be could be in for here um, just based on these two bounces here but we kind of you know zoomed through it here on the, uh, the 24th. So I could see that probably not being as much of a factor. If I had to give you guys my bet, I think we're probably in for a few days of, uh, of red until we get down to this 360-ish area. 
Um, but then again, man, like the market can change on the flip of a of, on the flip of a coin. So I would say on the daily, it looks like we have a little bit of downside coming. Um, on the hourly, let's just remove these drawings. The hourly here um, looks just super toppy on the hourly. Honestly, the the hourly looks like it has some downside. It'll it'll a big thing will be how we open tomorrow. If we gap up tomorrow, there's a chance that we. Uh, we can hold this support. Like if we were to gap up pretty heavy and then run at open above 380, then we could probably keep some things, um, you know, save our pants. But if we open sideways or if we uh, open with a gap down, then I would say, again, we're, we're definitely in for some red to start um, probably next week. I would think into next week uh, before CPI comes out. I think we'll probably see at the minimum like a, you know, 365, 367 area before we were to see a bounce. Um, just based on today's reaction alone, paired with the daily and the hourly, I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking bearish. What are you thinking? Um, so just checking like through the daily and the weekly, um, I currently have a zone on the daily from 373 to 376 so and it's currently in that zone um i would expect at least a little bit of a relief bounce um if we don't just completely gap down through it tomorrow if we gap down through it tomorrow i would actually look for that zone to be resistance i would look to see if that zone actually turned into supply um and if that does happen if we do get a gap down tomorrow and that zone flips into supply um you know i think we could easily three see 370 or lower I the other concerning thing on the daily is we do have a triple cross that is set up on the daily again if that pushes through the zone and gaps down tomorrow that will probably be that cross playing out um, but Brennan, to answer your question, I, I think we probably, you know, it, it's going to be pretty dependent on what happens tomorrow. Like I said, if we respect that zone or if we gap down right through it, um, we did have quite a bit of volume today. So, um, I am interested to see what happens tomorrow, but I do think, um, or at least those are the couple scenarios I see playing out. Yeah. Um, there's another one, Ted. What time frames do you use the most for finding option trades? Oh, it's a good one. Um, so I think the first two hours of the day, the five minute is the best. And then after two hours, um, I switch over to the 10 minute just because I think you need more data when you have lower volume. So, or actually vice versa i think you need more uh like more candles when you have higher volume less candles when you have less volume makes sense to me uh, and my trading strategy so i stick with five minute when it's very high volume time so even when cpi happened today i switched back to the five minute uh and i'll do the opposite when when the volume starts to die off i'll switch to the 10 minute and look for 10 minute setups i just think that that's kind of a um an easy fail safe way to, you know, kind of protect yourself when the, the volume gets a little bit lower. You need setups that have taken longer to develop uh, because you're going to need a bit more of a move because there's less volume to move that, you know, 
set up in the direction that it needs to go. So you need to have something that's taken longer to develop that will be more sustained. So less volume equals 10 minute, more volume equals the five minute when I go to option trading. Um, when it comes to like swing trading, I'm more of a, a daily hourly kind of guy. So that's kind of my, my rundown of, of time frames. Yeah, the time frames that I use, um, I like to look at uh, a little bit of longer time frames. So like if I'm like prepping the night before, I like to look at the daily, the weekly, hourly, 30 minute. Um, I like to look for zones. Um, where are my EMAs at and my moving averages at on my higher time frames? Because there's a chance that those get respected. Um, so I like to, to plot those levels. And um, I always like to take my entries on something like the five or 10 minutes. So say I identify a zone on the 30 minute and I see something um, get near that zone, I'll then kind of drop to a lower time frame if I'm looking for an entry. So, um, and it's also a lot easier to identify zones the higher you go up. So that's kind of how I like to look for things. I also, during the day, will just kind of switch through the 5, 10, 30 hourly and see, you know, are there any crosses setting up and stuff like that. So that's kind of how I go about it. <clears throat> yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, one thing I will say about time frames too, that's kind of, you know, counter what the, the, the general Intuitive. public counterintuitive is um you know people like to trade the one minute when it comes to small you know small moves i kind of think it doesn't work the right way i kind of think like the way that i've seen it and the way i've played it the one minute those setups hardly ever play out the way they're supposed to be because there's always a setup on a higher time frame that kind of like overweighs if you know what i mean the, uh, the one minute setup yeah like i see like a one minute flag will be will be popping up but then on the uh, you know like the five minute it'll close like an inverse hammer um and so i've always kind of just you know a lot of people like the one minute they say oh for small moves the one minute which that should line up with my trading style because usually when i'm in something i hold it for you know 15 minutes or less uh, it should line up with my trading strategy i've just never been able to find you know, one minute setups that end up with this, the moves that I need. It always seems like there's like, you know, if there's a one minute flag, then the three minute has something that isn't quite, you know, working. And then the three minute setup ends up working um, more so than that one minute setup. And or, you know, like there's a, uh, a one minute setup, the five minute candle doesn't look right. And then I just can't seem to follow why I would trade that one minute pattern when the five minute doesn't align with, um, you know, bullish when the one minute might be very bullish, but the five minute is bearish. And it just, the five minute seems to win out about 70% of the time in my yeah. um, experience, I guess. So that's why I stick with the the five and the 10 is it feels like they have enough weight to actually pull things around. The issue too is like, then you start getting into like information overload. Like sometimes I even find that maybe I'm switching through too many time frames. Um, you know, I think it's extremely beneficial, like during pre-market or like the night before, using a higher time frame, plotting out key levels, plotting out area like where your EMAs are, um, and any zones and stuff like that. If that's the kind of stuff you use, and then you know, sticking with a five ten minute lower time frame because 
you're like switching between the one, three, five, ten, you're going to be seeing everything in every possible scenario, and you're just going to end up not taking any, any trades because you see both cases for you know why it could work and why it couldn't. So yeah, I agree. Um, I'm going to talk about <laughs> Bathany's on MTCH tomorrow. What is that? Oh, let's fucking look at this. MTCH. What is that daily candle? What am I looking at here? How did it open? Oh, it had earnings. MTCH. Okay, so they missed on EPS, beat on revenue, and they opened up. What is that? 10%? They opened up 10% and then closed down. Oh, so back towards even. They opened up 10% and then closed all the way back down Damn, that entire gap. Things been in a downtrend for a year. <laughs> things Holy been. Shit. Anthony, what is that? How did it? Why is why is that opening five minute candle so disgusting? Look yeah, at that thing. Wild. Look at that thing. That is like a fucking eight percent candle at open. That's nuts. That is crazy. Um, dude, we're gonna have to talk about a few long term things. Um, but I am first going to talk about, no, not this one. Uh, there's a stock that I think I'm going to swing trade for the, the, um, holiday season. And I just went and did some blue collar DD today. Um, this thing, although, you know, the chart right now looks really, really gross. So, you know, call it what you want to call it. This chart looks disgusting. It just broke support, but I think, um, we're in for some really good moves for a few reasons. First off, winter time and early 2023, they're about to open up two new stores. I went to this place today, actually, because I wanted to look at it because I took some some earnings lottos, which they actually beat earnings. Like, I mean, you can look at this. They beat earnings. Uh, there's some fishy stuff going on with um, this earnings report, though, and I'll explain that a little bit later, but you can see they beat earnings, uh, and obviously they're down, what, 10%. You know, they're down 20% from the top here, but since earnings, they're down about 10%. But the reason that I went and looked at them today is because they have a PE ratio that is uh, something worth seeing. Let me go to my, my Finviz here. You guys can check this out too. Um, so TCS, which is the container store, if you search that up here on Finviz, their PE ratio right now is 3 um their their price to sales is 0.21 they have a book per share of 8.72 and they're sitting at 449 their sales is 1.1 billion income 74 million market cap 230 million so i mean they've got some good stuff going on for them they have decent margins like they're not doing bad um they just made 31 cents per share which is not terrible it's definitely not bad um, their ratios down here, not really that bad. So they're doing okay financially. The biggest thing that I noticed this week was, um, you know, they came out on, on yesterday morning with, with JP Morgan downgrades for TCS. And then paired with that, you know, they were down five, eight, 10% on that, the, the JP Morgan downgrades, their earnings reports came out and I honestly thought I was getting, I thought I was getting fucking bamboozled. They beat earnings 
but every single top line was comparing them to years in the past and how they weren't they didn't beat the EPS from last year. One of the lines in their earnings reports was literally like we did not make as much money this quarter as we did last quarter when they beat their own expectations. So if you're a CFO and you're looking at that, what is that like? I mean, just what does that tell you? That tells you that they literally did not try to make this earnings look good because I thought they looked good. Their numbers, I thought they were just fine. Like, obviously, you did not beat last year's earnings because right now we're in a supply shortage. Like, there's just a lot of crazy stuff. Inflation is going fucking nuts. No one's expecting you to beat last year's numbers when you're not like an Apple, Tesla, blah, 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 blah. Like, you're fine if you're just, you know, beating your own expectations. They beat their own expectations and they didn't mention it. That makes no sense to me. And I, I was thinking, you know, either the CFO is blind. I looked him up on LinkedIn, found his name, looked at his looked at his past. Either this guy is blind or they're wanting the stock price to go down. And the only reason I can think that JP Morgan, a few other, you know, big, big money, big suit, big suit man companies want this to go down is so that they can either one, add shares or get out of their shorts. And what are both of those good for? A stock price. Um and it's holiday season. I just can't get over how it's holiday season coming up to uh, the biggest consumer time of year. <sighs> I'm, I'm having strong feelings for TCS. And then I went there today and it was like mini fucking Ikea. I'm about to post, uh, you know, my, my blue collar walkthrough of TCS. But there was literally I walked in and someone said, hello, how's your day going today? As I walked through the door. And then they had little, like, closets set up. They had, like, fucking, you know, wine holders. They had everything, dude. They had literally any container you could want. They had wrapping paper, which I'd never thought of before. But, Tony, wrapping paper is kind of a container, if you think about it. Wrapping paper? I mean, just give it a thought, dude. Wrapping paper is kind of a container. Yeah, I guess, but... Technically? That's a, that's, <laughs> that's a stretch. Technically? Um... No, but but like this stock here, I just I like the PE ratio. I like the season we're going into. I looked pack and uh, October, November, and December have been historically strong months for for TCS. Um, and I think the risk is just very defined here. There was one other thing I wanted to look at: um, TCS institutional ownership. While I'm on here, I looked at it earlier today, um, and there were a couple ads today actually. Yeah, so we had a company decrease its position today, but they had 64,000 shares. We had someone add shares. We had someone add shares. Um, and then I have no idea what this even is. They changed 0% of their shares, so I'm not sure why that's up there. But so we had a net add of shares on this. Um, and so I'm just feeling, I'm feeling comfortable about taking some at 450, maybe even 420 down here because post is already down even further. Um I don't know. My my average going into earnings was like 490, something crazy. I ended up selling it for minus 2% before FOMC today, and I'm still feeling good about you know adding this and you know holding it through the holiday season with a PE of 3 with them trading, you know, they're going to be coming down and they're trading below book already, but I just don't see how this thing, you know, continues to 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 defy the financial numbers that they're putting out. Um, and opening new stores. We've seen growth. We're also just probably seeing some downflow from this uh, 
this trend break here. But I'm comfortable holding this for, for November and December, I feel like. It seems like it could be a really good time of year for them. It feels like they could come out with, you know, a couple PRs of store openings. Um, I don't know. I don't really like to trade charts usually like this. But for some reason, the financials and the fundamentals are lining up on this one. And I'm feeling pretty good about it. So I'm going to add some, you know, probably tomorrow or, you know, into the next few days. Uh, it'll probably be like a four-legged attack. I'll probably take a starter and then add, you know, two more legs here and there. Um, and then save one for when it's, you know, really, really down. But I'm liking this uh, medium term here. Tony, you got any long-term stocks that you're really, really into? Stuff you want to plug onto the show for people? Um, not specifically, like, outside of stuff I've already touched on. Um, I had added some F. Um, when was this? I had added some Ford on the 20th of October. It was right near a demand zone. Um, I really like Ford. Um, I love Ford. I really like AMD. Um, I like Amazon a ton. Um, and we just failed an extremely, extremely key level. If you pull up Amazon, Ted, um, it was at a pretty strong demand zone all the way back from May that it's interacted with 20 times probably, oh, um, which was also in line with $100, which is a key psych level. Um, the reason I have not added Amazon yet is now it's basically anyone's guess where we end up, but I think something like Amazon, I feel like it's one of those that you can't really go wrong with. Um, it's all about, though, taking taking the right approach to, to something like that. You're not just going to see that Amazon's now at $90 and just buy a full position because we could continue and end up at $60 in a month or two. Mm-hmm. Um, be careful with it, guys. That's the same thing as like with our Ford plays and stuff like that. Be careful with them. Yeah, it's all about you have to have this mentality. It's all it's all about like allocating cash in bunches. So if you're going to add something like this four times, okay, take add twenty five percent at ninety bucks. If it works its way all the way down to fifty dollars, you're scaling in you know, at key areas and you're getting a extremely good average. And that's also cash that's allocated for long term. So it's not like your rent money, um, stuff like that. Um, and for the sure. good thing, so if you look at the F chart, the good thing um, that, you know, sometimes that happens when you're adding long term stuff is I didn't take a full position on Ford. Um, and you know it kind of ran before i was able to take you know a pretty sizable position and you have the opportunity to then sell it so there's going to be times where you kind of nail an, an entry on something and you don't get a full position and it just kind of goes without you which is great um and then there's you know the flip side where you just actively scale into something and get an extremely good average so yeah um those are the kind of the ways you have to uh, approach stuff like that. But I love, I love Amazon. Um, it just broke a, a very significant level though. So 
Dude, look at Ford on that 200. It has not wanted to go below that 200 at all. Dude, I'm into meta. Um, I made a video about it like last week, but I'm super into meta long term. I think, dude, honestly, I really think I'm into stocks that are getting like dirt cheap. Like these charts are terrible, but like they're just so dirt cheap that I feel like the risk reward on a lot of these, like Amazon soon, it's going to be just like Amazon soon. Like Amazon probably going to drop a little bit further than where it's at right now. At that point, it's going to be dirt fucking cheap. And when it gets to dirt cheap, like sometimes the technicals just start to fade away and it's just like, oh, I physically have to add this unless I think the company is going to fail. Like if you think Amazon is going to fail, obviously it's, you don't want to be adding at like $5, $50, but like if you, you think, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you don't want to be pouring your money into like, you know, risky stuff or yeah. like fucking stuff like that's not proven AMC. that you just... Yeah, or, or stuff that you just like like and you think is going to be like the next big thing. Mm-hmm. Because like if you look at something like, <laughs> I mean, how many of their these have, have there been? Wish, SoFi, CEI, the list goes on and on. Like I loved SoFi, okay? But if you look at SoFi, SoFi is at like four bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it topped out around like $30 so yeah it's you know there's just stuff that you know is always going to stick around like your apples your Amazon Amazon Ford Meta AMD stuff like that so dude here's the thing too that I think is like a uh, a really solid way for people to just like not have to think too much and be able to tell like oh is this company possibly worth an investment or is this company a trash shit company um and that is are they positive what i mean by that is like are they actually making money is their eps all you have to do is go to their last earnings reports like their last few of them is their eps above zero if it is negative then that company is likely fucking garbage absolute dog garbage dog water water that hot dog was cooked in like literally that is exactly what that company is until they break that even until they break even and start making money there's no reason for you to be invested in that unless it's like some biotech that like you know you have some crazy dd thesis on and you feel invested in different story but then you should only have one or two of those if these companies are not making money then there is no reason for you to be invested in them like these small companies that people are like talking about as investments uh, which I get, I just talked about TCS, but I'm not talking investment-wise. I'm talking like swing trade through the holidays. If you're, you know, thinking about investing in something that's like a, I don't even know a name to think about right now, like a less than $50 stock, like DGLY or DBGI, one of those, like one of those companies that I've seen like posted all over Twitter all the time, those are bad companies. They're not making money. If they're not making money, then why should you be invested in them? They're not making money. They're not making money for themselves. They're not making money to keep growing their business. They're waiting to break even. There's a chance, probably like a 90% chance that they never break even. And they just continue, continue to just burn money until just the end of time. And their chart is going to, uh, let's actually go to this. This will be a good one for people. People might remember this one. Their chart is going to end up looking like this. 
Their chart is going to end up looking like AHTs where it's fucking, right now it's down at six bucks. But back in the day, this thing was $1,000, you know, you know, $1,000. I don't know. This thing never got over $20. It was just reverse split right here after reverse split right here. Reverse split, reverse split because they never made enough money. That's just how it works. If they're not making money, don't invest in them. That's a good rule of thumb um, to start with. And then the second thing that I think Tony already kind of touched on is invest in stuff that you know is, you know, very, very unlikely to fail. It's never to say, um, you can't never confidently say, oh, I know that, you know, let's go to Meta, for example. Um, just look at the chart while I'm talking about this. You can never say, oh, I know Meta is not going to fail. Like I know for certain it's not going to fail. There's a chance that Zuckerberg burns the actual, you know, shit out of their money and just ruins this company, runs them into the ground. That's for you to decide. I personally have decided that I think if TikTok gets banned, I think this company goes to 150, you know, within weeks, months. Um, and then if they were to ever, you know, become successful with the metaverse, which I think they will, from what I've seen, this could be a $500 stock in the future, you know, $600 in the future. Um, but that's for you guys to decide. They're making money. Let's see what their last earnings was. Um, yeah, they make a dollar sixty-four per share. You know, that's that's decent money. They're a big ass company. I don't think they're gonna fail. But there's also fringe companies. We can talk about fringe companies a little bit more too. Those are like the uh, let's find one of those. Not like a SoFi. What's a fringe company? PLTR. Let's go to Palantir. This is like a fringe company here. Um, look at that. Reported minus one cent. So like very close. These are fringe companies. They, they reported positive this earnings. They reported positive this earnings. They reported positive, but they just reported negative last earnings. Um, fringe companies, those are close. Some people think they're worth an investment. I don't think they're worth an investment to start off with. Um, I'll just keep it real with you guys. I think fringe companies should never find their way into your investment portfolio. Um, it's what Kathy Wood did. And look at her, look at her ETF right now. I think for for the most part, these these fringe companies should probably be in your swing account. Um, you know, swinging them for these moves that can happen week to week, month to month. That's exactly like TCS. TCS is a fringe company. You know, they're net positive, but they have some issues with their company. Um, so, you know, I'm swinging it, but I'm not going to invest in it. The things that should be in your investment portfolio are the, the bulls, like the strong-headed companies that you're very, very confident in. And uh, like, you know, you use their products a lot. Like what I've been thinking about lately is Starbucks. I've been really thinking about investing in Starbucks. I don't know how you feel Starbucks. about Starbucks, Tony, but uh, I love Starbucks. People suck that shit down like it is going out of style dude people go crazy for that six dollar i'm a morning big starbucks latte. believer i like i only like black coffee though so i guess it's i just like their black coffee over dunkin donuts so you know what i've been drinking lately black espresso with uh like a, a not a normal sugar cube but like a brown sugar cube like a raw sugar cube and then just half and half like I, that's all i is just See, like i can't do any sugar or anything Damn, bro, that's it has to be black. That's pretty tough. It has to be cold. That's like black Air Force energy right there. <laughs> Fucking like straight up just like raw dog and black coffee. <laughs> Dude, it's I can't. Damn. Oh man. 
You got any other names that you like? Anyone in the uh, anyone in the chat got any names they want us to uh, quickly run over quickly? Anthony said Elms. Oh my gosh, dude! That's a company that me and him talked about a while ago. They were like an electric vehicle. Now they're in the OTC, bro. Look at this. Look at this drop. They were a uh, a SPAC back in the day. So like they were a ten dollar. I traded them so hard on this ten dollar move all the way to fifteen. I literally went like balls to the wall on them when they were like ten seventy here or ten eighty. Rode them all the way up, and then now they are six. That's not even six cents. What is that? Is that? I don't even know how to read this. Is that a? Oh my gosh. Do you know how to read this, Tony? Is this uh, like a little over half a cent per share? Is that Where's what that your is? cursor? Look at this. That's yeah, less than so one that, cent, right? That would be half of a cent. Oh my gosh, per share. And they got a SPAC deal at $10 per share. Yeah. Less than two years ago. Right around two years ago. Never mind, right <sighs> around two. No, less than two years ago. Less than two years ago, these guys completed a, a SPAC deal at fucking $10 a share. That's I think nuts. we have three minutes left, Ted. Okay. All right. Should we uh, should we wrap this bad boy up? Austin's in here. Oh, the Austin. Yeah, the only thing I want to say quick is um, uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. We're going to, you know, each episode we're going to, you know, try to have some – some talking points or or just kind of keep it casual um but you know each episode we want to at least provide some kind of information um and you know you're everyone's always welcome to ask questions like they did tonight and we'll we'll always answer those so um, i just appreciate anybody that hopped on with us yeah i appreciate the hell out of everybody on here um in the future i'm gonna upgrade to uh to the the pro so that we can not have to deal with having to exit out and stuff all the time but we appreciate you guys for hopping on here it was the first episode getting back into the rhythm of things um i'm sure that there'll be be a lot more to come we talked you know fomc today next week there'll be something to talk about and there'll be a lot of questions in the chat from you guys that we can answer it's good to interact it feels good to like have you guys kind of having questions and uh you know giving us stuff to talk about um and we'll get back into uh we'll get back into the the crazy tim. stuff that we sometimes talk about like how how you should wipe your butt and stuff you know tim literally didn't answer any of my questions <laughs> didn't he say something about you being breastfed by a deer or something yeah that's the only reason i knew it was tim i knew it was tim when it was uh we went golfing and there was deer uh, so Tim Did he try Carter. to get you to run up and milk the deer? No, nah, Tim's afraid of anything wildlife. What? There was, a, there was a bear there. He was deathly, deathly afraid. Like, wouldn't get out of his golf cart. Okay, a bear? I, I can hear that. Yeah, Fucking but it bear, wasn't, like, close. It wasn't close. Yeah, dude, it no, there was, was like, just a grizzly bear with a human head in its mouth, and Tim nah, was scared like, of it. <laughs> like a squirrel, he'd jump. It was just a squirrel. Like, he's... Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. All right, we got to head out. I will. Thanks, everybody. Dude, we're going to play some league later, but thanks everyone <laughs> for tuning in. Uh, thanks, everybody. I appreciate all of you guys. Peace out, yeah, guys. Talk to you soon. Thanks.